impressed with that. We are displaying patience and grace to one another. And thank you, men in the back uh, who are doing, men and, and ladies who are doing so much in serving us. You realize the privilege that we have to gather like this together to sing out loud is a privilege that literally millions upon millions of brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world do not have. They cannot meet openly for fear what of, of attack, hatred. We are blessed. We are blessed in amazing and wonderful ways, all as a result of God's grace. But to whom much is given, much is required. Philippians, we are still in chapter 1 this morning. Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me there. Our text will be found in verse 7 through 11. The text will be up on the screen for you to see. Um, we trust that when you come to Big Woods Bible Church, uh, you bring a Bible with you. If it's on your phone or tablet, that's wonderful. But this is what we teach. This is what we, we do. Everything here grounded and founded upon the Word of God. If you do not have a Bible that you own yourself, please speak to me or anyone else out there. Find someone with a name tag on and we will get you a Bible so that every single one has one. Would you bow your heads first and foremost and pray with me as we just ask God to speak through his word to all of us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we do just rejoice. We rejoice over who you are. And we get to, to come together and we get to sing praises to you and we get to learn from your word to us. Lord, we get to, through your word being preached, allow the Holy Spirit to speak directly to each one of us individually. Amazing. You are amazing. I thank you, Lord, for every person that's gathered here, for whatever reason that they have come, that, Lord, you would remind them of your grace that is amazing, your love that is unconditional, and your mercy that is new every single morning. And Father, this morning, this day, I would ask, Lord, that you would remain the focus as we do Lord, examine our own lives as we often need to do. As we celebrate, Lord, the Lord's table together, remembering the price that was paid for our salvation. God, our, our prayer is that you would renew in us and refresh us and encourage us to continue on to be faithful. Father, we just thank you that you are everything and more that you claim to be. You're alive and well. We thank you for the ministry of Jesus and what was accomplished on the cross and the tomb. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that right now he sits at your right hand and intercedes on our behalf and how we need that. God, we ask that you would forgive us as sinners and that you would use us for your glory. Lord, personally, I ask that you would just give my mind, clarity of thoughts and speech so that you would be heard, you would be seen, you would be the focus this morning. We ask this now in the strong and powerful and wonderful name 
Jesus, the Messiah. Amen and amen and amen. There's an overarching theme. I think you've got that by now, hopefully, to the book of Philippians. It has to do with this idea of joy or rejoicing. Believe it or not, in four chapters, the word joy or a form of that word is used 12 different times. I hope you note, I hope that you notice the pattern that is unfolding before us just in this very first chapter, Philippians chapter 1. We have seen the focus first is on God, who is what we refer to uh, by way of review, the, the source of our joy, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we move to what? After the focus being on God, it's on others, the evidence of joy. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, making my prayer in joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And then last week, the focus was once again back on God, the reason for joy. He who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. Today, we will look at what? Others, the affections of joy, I call it. I hold you in my heart, for you all are partakers with me of grace. And so I hope we are beginning to understand that, that some of the formula for joy here, God and others, God and others, God and others, you're not listed there. But the formula for joy is not really about you. It's about keeping your focus on the Lord and on other people. Joy comes. Joy comes as a result of our focus on the Lord first and on others second and yourself last. Sadly, I have heard and wrongly I've heard people say, and you know people, you've probably heard someone say, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. Pause on that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You and I need one another. Oh, how desperately we need one another. We'll see that in our text. Uh, follow along. Philippians chapter 1. We'll pick it up in verse 7. Read down through verse 11. It is, it is right. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the, the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There is, there is just so much here for us. And, and the first thing that came to my mind was an interview that I heard this past week. You know I'm a, a touch of a baseball fan. It's going into... Uh, playoffs, and I watched an interview uh, just last early part of this week after the Los Angeles Dodgers lost 
four to nothing to the Milwaukee Brewers in the National League Championship Series. You don't want to know the rest of the story. In the interview, an outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers, his name was Enrique Hernandez, or they call him Kiki Hernandez, told the LA Times, and I quote, We had no energy. The stadium had no energy. The fans had no energy. So think about this. Here's what's happening here. Although Hernandez himself was 0 for 6 and struck out three times, it was the fans' fault that they lost the game. Something's, something's wrong, and yet at the same time, amazingly right with that. The next day, the fans showed up, and last night, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the National League pennants. Why, why is that? I know some may think that's a little bit of a stretch, but, but do you realize that we need the cheers of other people? We, we need to hear the encouraging words. Why? Because God has created us in His image to be in relationship and fellowship with one another. Yeah, but I don't need anyone else. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God created us to need one another. In our society, the worst possible form of punishment that you can ever place a human being under in our society, what? For the worst offender... You put them in what is referred to as administrative segregation. ADSEG. Solitary confinement. It's referred to as the whole. The worst form of punishment is that you separate people from other people. Why? Because we need one another. God created us to be in relationship with one another, but God created us to also be in relationship with Him. You probably have a, you probably have a, a box of valued possessions. Maybe it's filled with unmarked $100 bills or you're, you're, you're 45 or whatever it is that, that if, if things go south, you got to grab this box to grab this bag and, and bolts. But the house is on fire and you, you don't have time to take everything and there's one thing that you can grab. Under my bed is a shoebox. It's a Nike shoebox. And if the house ever burned to the ground, that's the one thing I'm going to take. And no, it's not filled with unmarked $100 bills. I know you're shocked by that. Doesn't even have any granola bars in it. You know what's in it? Pieces of paper, notes, and letters, and cards that I have received over the years. Some of them are from some of you. The words of encouragement.
at the right time. Some are students that I taught years ago. They're friends. And, and I hold that, that shoebox of joy. Why? Because God created us to be and to live alongside of one another. It like this, there can be no greater or more exhilarating joy than that produced by deep, abiding, and genuine affection for others. No greater joy. So today in this text, we're going to examine Paul's relationship with others, and also we're going to examine your relationship with others. We hear that and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I like to hear of Paul's successful examples of relationships, but examining my relationships, what? They'll, they'll do what? Only remind me of past failures. Remind me of broken relationships or unhealthy relationships. Or, or maybe it's just going to discourage me this morning because, because I don't have someone to hold in my heart. I don't have someone to, to yearn for. Please hear me this morning that, that in no way my purpose is not to discourage in any way. But rather my purpose this morning through the authority of the word of God is to build you up. To build you up. And, and for you to learn the importance of building into the lives of other people so that you too can experience and enjoy the value of good and godly, healthy, Christ-centered, soul-edifying, heart-stirring relationships between what? Family. Like it or not, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we will spend eternity together. And that's why it takes great effort. Two points I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. Joy in the gospel increased Paul's affection toward others. Joy in the gospel Increase Paul's affection toward others. The author begins with this. It is, it is right for me to feel this way about you. It's, it's right for me. It's just for me to feel this way. Well, what's this way? Last week we talked about it in verse 6. What? Paul says what? I feel confident or I feel sure or I feel certain that God will complete the work of salvation. Allowing you to per persevere to the very end. And Paul says what now? As a result of that confidence and knowing that we are all together recipients of God's grace. Paul explains this. He says what? In his imprisonment, even though he is literally under house arrest in Rome... They estimate, depending on the route that you would take, 700 to 1,200 miles from Philippi. There's, there's no what? There's, there's, no, there's no flight you can hop. There's no bullet train at this day. You can't jump on a super highway. Literally, at best, they estimate walking or riding in animal. Three months. Three months through this terrain. 
700 to 1,200 miles apart, three months at best from seeing one another. And Paul says what? We are together in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. We're together in this. Apostle Paul is what? He is about to go before trial. He is about to appear before the magistrate to defend the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he knows this. I am not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Some people had visited him. Maybe Lydia came and brought him what? A warm purple cloak. Symbol of royalty. Remember the Philippian jailer's family? Maybe, maybe they all made the track. Maybe they, maybe they made him a fruitcake. We're just here to say we love you. Some had visited. Some had brought him gifts, wrote him notes. All of them had encouraged him. All of them had been praying for him faithfully. And that is what relationships are about. That's what relationships look like. Homer Kent, in his commentary on Philippians, said it like this. They have treated Paul's misfortunes as their own. Oh, what an example. It's Philippians. That, that's, that's what it looks like. That's what the work of the gospel is for all of us to do together, in spite of hardship or in spite of heartache. Rather than seeing the differences that exist in the, the many personalities in the body of Christ, or focusing on our different preferences, our likes or our dislikes, they focused together, what? On the commonality of the gospel. They recognized that they were all sinners, as we all are in this room. We're great sinners. We've mastered that tragic art. But we all have a greater Savior than any of our sin. And they focused on that. It was very, very obvious. He is missing his dear friends. He's missing them. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. We know this by, by the word choice. Our text reveals that Paul has his, his emotions and his feelings. They're just like raw. They're, they're on display here. And he's not afraid to admit, he's not ashamed to explain his affections by describing them with intimate, caring, and loving language. I hold you in here. Hold you in my heart. And I yearn for you. My word heart's what's cardia in Greek. Both, both among the Greeks and the Hebrews, what? This word included both mind and will. It refers to a person's innermost being. Paul says, that's where I have you. Yearn, the word is epipotheo. The, the word potheo is, is to desire. Epi, what on the front of that, is the strongest desire that one can have. It means to long for to deeply desire you and i have all heard this phrase before absence makes the heart grow fonder have, have you been away have you been apart 
from someone that you hold dear, a loved one, for any sustained period of time? And, and how do you feel for them? You keep them. You reserve them in a special place that no one else can fill. You hold them in your hearts. Here, the Apostle Paul is saying what the Holy Spirit has given me a grace for you. And I see evidence in you that you are sharing, that you are, the word is, partakers of God's grace with me. Miles and months apart. Paul says, I know you're sharing this with me. And he says, he says this in his heart. I like that. He says, I love that. What is he saying? I love you. That's what Paul is saying. Miles and months missing one another, but they have the gospel of Jesus Christ in common. Miles and months pressured by, by a pending trial that awaits. The immediate future is completely uncertain. He doesn't know what the magistrate is going to rule. He knows it doesn't look good. But they share, they're partakers of this grace, and they have the gospel in common. That's what Paul is saying. Could, could I ask you this? Are you grateful? Are you grateful for the work of the gospel in your life? Oftentimes they summarize it, what, with five words from Galatians chapter 5. Christ has set us free. Are you grateful for that? You realize that you and I, apart from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross and in the tomb, are, are enslaved and entrenched. We are literally entombed in sin, which leads to death and destruction and separation forever. And yet Christ stepped in and he said, I, I see you. I, I know it. I, I see every piece of your life and I, and I love you. And he suffered on your behalf and on mine. Are you grateful for that? Are you grateful that we are together here, together as one body in Christ working for the gospel? Yeah, but I don't like the way that they like do things. No, 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 no. Are you grateful for the work of the gospel? Period. We get to share together in this work. Do you express that? Well, I'm not real good with words. No, no, no. These are your brothers and sisters who are in the midst of what? Hardship and heartache. Do you express the importance of what God has called us together to do? Do, 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 you, do you express by way of writing a note of encouragement rather than picking on or pointing at? Do you encourage one another with joy? In that work, in that truth, joy in the gospel increased Paul's affection toward others. The second point is this. What? Joy in the gospel increases our affection toward others. Increases our affection. These aren't words on a page for you to be warmed by. This is the truth of the gospel that should burn, what? Burn deep into our heart and life and soul. 
And so there's something that happens here as a result of what we're learning this morning. The author, Paul, is saying what? He's making it very clear. Just as Christ has shown his affection to me through the work of the gospel, I can, I can, I should, and I will, I will show my affection to you. Now, it's interesting here, and I've been challenged all this week, the very best way that, that, that we can express our sincere thanks for our brothers and sisters in Christ, the very best way that our affections can increase for one another, the best way, according to what we see in Scripture, is this, is to pray for them. Pray specifically for them. And the basic petition here of Paul's prayer is that what that as we pray for them we pray that you do get the raise at work no that that we pray that you do get a great grade and and win the scholarship that's what we know the basic petition that we are to be praying very specifically in the lives of one another it says what is that your love may abound more and more it's indicating what, that apparently there must be maybe, maybe a little love as a result of the gospel. There's a little, and yet I pray by name for what one another. We are to pray by name for one another that our love abounds and it overflows more and more and more. Why? Why is that important? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 tells us what love is a fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's evident. This is proof that the Holy Spirit is at work in my life if I show love to others. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14 tells us that we are to put on love, like, like put it on as a cloak. Why? Because without it, it's impossible to be spiritually complete. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what? If you are gifted in speaking, wonderful, but not enough. If you are gifted in serving, as many of you are. If you are gifted in giving, wonderful. But if you don't have love, then all of those things are worthless, are useless. Why? Because the greatest of these is love. Here it is. Love is proof. It's the proof text of whether or not a Christian really is a Christian or not. And have to admit, all of us at one time or, love, uh, or another are hard to love. All of us. That's why the emphasis is here. Love is shown in our affection toward one another. It doesn't, it doesn't just stop there. He explains the atmosphere by which this love should operate and, and it's going to require a constant, what? A praying that you love may abound more and more, that there's a discernment that you may prove what is excellent, pure, blameless. In a sense, that it may pure what is right in this life. Now, you and I all know that there are, what, things in this world that are right, and there are things that, that are, are wrong in this world. But, but we also know that there are some areas where that line of demarcation, that line of separation, is not always really, really clear or visible or easy to see. So what we need to be doing 
very specifically, is praying for one another that love what abounds with knowledge and all discernment. Do you understand what this means here? How this translates? We need one another. I need you. The elders of this church need you. You need what? You need the guiding and loving care and grace extended. I've been reminded this week over and over and over again, more patience and more grace. Oh man, in my flesh it just doesn't exist. I've had brothers come alongside and say, more patience, more grace. It's hard. But it tells us what? That we're praying for one another. Why we have partnership in the gospel as we saw earlier in verse 4. We are what? We are partakers together in verse 7 of this grace. So we're to be striving together to love others and to be loving. That means helping one another. Not, not, only, not only helping one another ask, is, is this harmful for me? That's the discernment. But is this helpful for me? They're the questions that we need to be asking one another. You know, what should I do in this situation? Is this harmful or is this helpful? Why discernment is needed. Discernment is needed. Love needs to abound more and more. Prayers need to be offered. Therefore, what? Our affections need to increase. Our affections for one another need to increase. Wherever that line is, it needs to increase toward one another. Why? Remember the goal that is in mind that every single one of us will stand before the Lord and give accounts for our deeds. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You're not, you're not given an exemption from this. Doctor's excuse on that one. No. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he, she has done in the body, whether good or evil. And be assured the only conduct that will receive the commending of Christ is characterized, what do we see in this text? The fruit of righteousness. The only thing. Paul's, Paul's desire for the Philippians should be the exact same desire that we have for one another. Paul's desire for the Philippians should be the exact same desire that we have for brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? We all stand before the Lord. We're displaying the same fruit. Like how, yeah, but that's, how does that happen? How, how does this text conclude? How do we do this? Through Christ through Christ to the glory and praise of God. You understand this text before us, what it is telling us. Here's our takeaway. Remember this, affections for each other need to increase as a result of us together, what partaking of God's grace and partnering together for the gospel, which leads us to pray for one another to increase in love so that we're all filled with the fruit of righteousness for the glory of God. That's a, that's a, like, that's a mouthful. 
That's, that's, the, that's the meat of what this is saying. So we need to examine our own life, right? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Our, our affections for one another increasing. Yeah, but, yeah, but we just we don't see. No. Our affections for one another need to increase. Why? As a result of we're all partakers of God's good grace. We're all partnering together for the work of the gospel, which leads us to pray for one another, to increase in love, that we be filled with righteousness for the glory of God, not your own glory. Whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, you do it all for the glory of God. How are you doing in your relationships? You, 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 you know the question was coming. How, how are you doing in, in, in the oneness and the unity that is to exist within the body of Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 4? Where are your affections? And to whom or to what are your affections toward? Are you grateful for one another? Are you praying for one another specifically that love would abound more and more and more and more? I... Um, for a number of years, I think it was, it's been about 14, my, my math will help me out here, 12, 12 years um, that I, I keep with me at all times. Be, before smartphones, people actually kept pictures, like an actual photograph on a piece of paper, like pictures of loved ones in their wallet. I, young people, you're not going to get this, but there was actually pictures. And, and I am one of those people who still keep pictures in my wallet. Wendy and the kids. But there's, there's another picture of, uh, of another woman, and my wife is fully aware of this. Just, not my wife, not my mother, not my sisters, not my daughter, not my granddaughter. I keep a picture of a woman whose name is Sylvia Lombard. I actually buried Sylvia Lombard in 2006. She gave me this picture. It looks a little dog-eared, I understand. About a year before she passed away. Sylvia never married because she went to years ago in, in the 40s, the country of Siam, which is now Thailand. From Siam, she moved on to China to work, oftentimes alone, building relationships with people, learning the language for the work of the gospel. 40-plus years, Sylvia Lombard worked faithfully for the work of the gospel. And, and I hold, I literally, I keep her photograph in my wallet with me wherever I go as a reminder. I hold this gal, my sister, our sister in the Lord, as a wonderful reminder of what it looks like to have an entire life that is filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes, what, through Jesus to the glory of God. In her funeral, I remember using the term a Pauline tenaciousness. That's who she was. That's what I want for all of us. But you realize that 
we can't do this. We can't accomplish this. We can't be that. A, first and foremost, apart from the work of the gospel, and apart from what? One another. One another. God created us to be in relationship, not only with him, first and foremost, but also with one another. How are you doing in your affections? Praying? Love may abound? I hope so. That's where we need to be. That's where we're moving as a body. Now, I am thankful, I am so thankful that we can be in relationship with one another because of the fact that God provided a way for us to be in relationship with him. And that is through the work of Jesus. As you know, this is the third Sunday of the month. I, I know it's, we're still, still getting used to things, still working out little kinks and buzzes. And, but, but you know what remains the same? Is the community table. The reason that we gather. That this, this, this is one of the definitions of, of what we are as a church. That we gather together what? To celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, what is the Lord's Supper? Let me be very clear in, in what that is. Jesus Christ, on the very night that he was betrayed by Judas, the, the, the sandpaper kiss on the cheek, the, the, the rumbling of, of sabers, and Peter taking out a sword and, and slashing, and, and she, that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, before that time, Jesus was sitting in the upper room with his disciples. And it, it says that, that he took bread. Why, why would he take bread? It was unleavened bread. It was flat, kind of like this. And, and he broke. This is a picture, a visible reminder. It's an object lesson. And you and I know that when we see something, when we hear something break, when we taste it, we remember it. And God wanted us to remember what Jesus Christ was going to do. That his, his body was going to be broken. It, it is hard to describe. It's hard to describe just the degree of torture and agony and pain of the crucifixion. The, the, the Roman Empire at that time had boasted in the fact that they had mastered a means to inflict not just death ultimately, but pain, prolonged pain on a person. They boasted in the crucifixion. Why bodies were broken and wrecked. Jesus said, my body's going to be broken for you. I'm going to suffer for you. Jesus also, as he was sitting with the disciples in the upper room, it says that he took the fruit of the, the vine and he poured it out into a cup and after he poured it out, he, he passed it around. They all took a sip of it. And, and he did that, why? As a reminder that, what? just as my blood is going to be poured out, I, I pour this out. Blood is what, that which holds life. Jesus says, without the shedding of blood, there can be, the word says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or forgiveness of sins. And that's why we hold this, this cup and this bread so, so precious within the body. That's the gospel. And so the instruction was what? Do this regularly. 
Remember what Jesus Christ has done. Yes, we're working towards our affections toward one another for the work of the gospel, but we can't have that apart from the work of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to partake. This will not fill you up. You're still going to have to have lunch in a little while. But I tell you what this will do. This will give you a reminder and a sense of the satisfying work of Jesus for your own salvation, for my own salvation. So, so let me make it very, very clear that this, this communion table is reserved specifically for those who acknowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes in the Father. No one can have relationship except going through me. And so as we serve this to you in just a few moments, I want you to understand that if you have acknowledged that truth, this is for you. Eat of the bread and drink of the cup and celebrate, remembering that Jesus suffers so that you and I don't have to. I don't want to be rude if you're visiting here with us, but you have acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is for you. Please take this. You don't have to be a member officially of Big Woods Bible Church, but you do have to be a member of the family of God. Some of you would say, yeah, but I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know for sure. Like, there's a lot of other faiths and belief systems. Maybe this just works for us. Please, I want, in the most respectful way, I'm going to ask you, don't take of this. Don't, don't drink. If you have any questions, just pause and hold off. But ask the questions. Afterward, I'll be at the back. Other elders will be at the back and pastors. Ask, like, help me, help me understand this. We would love to. I would love. There's no, nothing that I love to tell people more. There's nothing than about Jesus. So please don't take that. We're not to drink unworthily. We're not to drink in a flippant manner. We're not to, 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 to drink of the cup. We're not to eat of the bread. If we're in broken fellowship, perhaps even in examining our affections towards one another, maybe you know that you have offended someone or they have offended you and you are hurt or angry. Maybe you need to go make it right with them. Take the time to do that. Take the time to do that even before you drink of this cup. We'll give you a few moments. Or maybe you need to pause and not receive it this morning and go to that person immediately afterwards. Make sure that we are in right relationship, what, horizontally with one another before we can be in a vertical, healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. So please understand what this is. This does not get you to heaven this is an indication, a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done and a visible symbol that we remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid on our behalf. I'm going to invite the elders. Just, I, I do want to ask, as they come forward and some deacons, men that will come to serve you, um, just to be perfectly honest, this is our first time serving in this setting, so it may take a moment or two. Um, but men, come. They're going to serve you the, um, the bread first. And then I'm going to pray for the bread and the cup. And then we'll serve you the cup. And we will take of that together. And then we will sing a hymn. 
and we will be on our way. We'll work out the kinks, no problem. But let's keep the focus and quiet our hearts on the Lord as family for what Jesus Christ has done for us. We are most grateful.